Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co. If you got your Bibles, you can uh, open with me to Mark chapter 4, verse 26 through 29. This morning, I'm going to... Uh, Actually, Brandon Sharp was uh, supposed to be preaching today, but some of you know he, uh, his dad has been in challenged uh, situations with his health, but he's doing good. All the procedure that uh, he had this weekend as Brandon is there has been very successful, so we praise the Lord for that. Uh, man, our worship team is ridiculously good. I mean, like, after about four songs, I, I reached down and grabbed my song sheet just to look to see what we were supposed to be doing, and they weren't on the list. I mean, <laughs> there wasn't nothing on the list. They did all that without practice. They went to that because that's what the Lord was doing. And let me just tell you what we just experienced. It's so important that you understand that our worship team is, is connected like this. This morning's message is about learning how to sow the Word of God, what, what that looks like, and a little bit about that. But what I've noticed, and I've noticed it a lot lately, is the culture that we're living in looks for replacements of what Jesus designed the church to be. I got a buddy of mine who goes to SOS a lot. And which is a dance thing at Myrtle Beach. It's a cool thing. It's a neat. It's a neat deal. But there's. It's like. A, you know. It's like. A, how many remember the Grateful Dead? That'll tell you your age. We have two that remember that. But anyhow, they they call them deadheads. You know. I mean, they they. There's this culture that it was around this thing. There's this culture around shagging music, and they and they try to establish relationship, and they try to, you know, fit, and, you know, it's kind of like Cheers, where, you know, you've got friends, and this, this thing, but, it, but it's missing something, and what it's missing is the spirit, and the nature, and the character, and the love of God. You know, you see it in country clubs, you see it in bingo night, you see it in all these kind of places where we're trying to establish relationship, which is fine. All those things are fine. I do, I, you know, I'll do all of them. They're all, all okay. But the problem is they just can't satisfy. They just, there's something missing. You know, David told himself all the time, he told his soul, he says, soul, press into God. Soul, line up. Soul, Connect with what actually works, what actually does the work in me. In John, when it talks about the Word of God and it talks about our relationship with God as believers, it says, you know, if you love God, He loves you, and how do you know whether you love God or not is whether or not you do what He says. And in the Arabic, in the original Arabic, it says this, if you nurture me, then I will nurture you, God says. If you will nurture me, then I will nurture you. That is a beautiful picture, isn't it? And that's what we did in worship, is the focus moved to this is what really satisfies. It's the love of God. It's the nature of God. It's who God is. And, we just, and God is reminding us this morning that he is 
the only thing that satisfies. You cannot replace it. The world would have you replace it. We constantly resist God, even as believers, and try to replace that which he has something for us for, if that makes sense. And, and the message is him. I'm, God says, I'm the one who satisfies. You need to hear that this morning. If you don't hear anything else, you need to hear, quit looking for, to, at other places to receive what only I can give. That's a word from the Lord, I believe, this morning. So we're going to get into that, and we're going to get into uh, the whole idea of sowing and reaping. Now, I've heard this from a lot of different places, and there's a thing called the faith movement that really a lot talked a lot about sowing and reaping. And, and you know, we get different tastes in our mouth, I guess, for lack of a better way of putting it, of, of different type of movements in the church based on our backgrounds or whether we like personalities or, you know, how we line up with things naturally. Sometimes we can formulate an opinion about a certain topic based on our history. And one of the things that I want you to understand this morning is I don't want you to throw away the idea of sowing and reaping because of some personality in Christendom or some movement in Christendom. Because what you need to understand is what you sow is what you reap. No matter what. It's a principle of the creation. It was born in Genesis is what we'll see. But, but nothing is ever done without sowing and reaping. None of you or nothing in this world is ever created without a seed and then a nurturing and a progress or process of, of development. And then there comes a time of harvest. There's a, a reaping, you know. Without, without a sperm and an egg and an incubation period, none of us would be here today at all. And then even when we're birthed, there's this process of maturity until we're ready to go home, right? And then there's, there's the harvest. And so there's not, you know, I hear sometimes, you know, Jesus always dealt in farmer terms. We don't deal in farmer culture, but we do. That'll never grow old because nothing ever happens without seed. And without being planted. So you sow what you reap. Okay? And so we're going to go into that whole principle of sowing what you reap. Let me read you a, a few Bible verses right off the start. This will just get us moving in this direction. Okay? 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 18. It says... For you and me, the church, to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen? There's this growth, there's this process of growing in the power of God. In the power and the knowledge of God. There's this incubation, there's this maturation that that has to take place. In 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 23 it says this, having been born again not of corruptible seed but of incorruptible seed. 
And that is, we're born again through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. There is a seed, an incorruptible seed, that, that we're born again by the Spirit of God through the Word of God. Mark chapter 4 verse 26 through 29 says this, Jesus also said, Jesus is saying this, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day while he's asleep or whether he's awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but he doesn't understand how it happens. The earth produces the, cr the crops on its own. First a leaf blade pushes through, and then the heads of wheat are formed, and finally the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle. For the harvest time has come. There is the principle of you know, you, you reap what you sow, you sow the seed, and then you reap a harvest. Now, the reason I want to talk to you about this today is it's heavy on my heart that I see that most Christians don't understand that you have to plant the seed of the Word of God to reap the kingdom of God. You can't reap the kingdom of heaven and the promises of God, and everything God has for you without sowing the Word of God. And so, you know, when I hear the whole idea of Christians who say, well, I just don't like to read. You know, I just don't, I have a hard time understanding the Word, and so on and so forth. What that does to me, and it's currently getting worse, just to let you know, it breaks my heart because I know that it's an impossibility, just as it's impossible for you to understand the ways of God and receive from God what he wants to give you in some other area, arena like SOS or a country club or something like that. It's also impossible for the church to reap the kingdom of heaven without sowing the word of God. You've got to sow the word of God because whatever you sow, that is what you're going to read. Let me just give you an example of that. Uh, just not many years ago, I think Nathan was maybe 15 or 16. I think he was 15, maybe 16. He, 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 we went to just get a regular eye checkup because he couldn't see very well and, he, and we needed to go. Um, and some of you have heard of this testimony, but I want to reiterate it because it's the closest thing to me right now that I can relate to you what I'm talking about. And so he gets this regular eye appointment, and the doctor comes back and says, man, something, something's not good here. And I was like, what? And he says, well, I don't even want to tell you. And, and it really irritated me that the doctor wouldn't tell me. He wanted me to get a second opinion. And so I had a buddy of mine who is an eye physician in Mount Pleasant, and so I went to him. But I looked it up on the line, and what we had was nerve damage happening in the back of his eye, and it was inflamed. And it was the, when you looked it up online, it, it looked like MS. You know, when your baby boy, when that starts happening. So, so what, what, did, what did I do? I want to explain to you what I think God wants us doing with and, with and what I'm meaning by when I say you've got to sow the word. I begin to pray, not with anger at God, but with anger at the situation that I was finding myself in.
And I began to remind God of what he said. I said to the Lord, this is what I said, Lord, you said you were my strong tower. You said you were my very present help in my time of need. You said that you were my bulwark. You were my citadel. You were my guard. You said that none of these things would happen to me because I was yours. You said you would protect me from that. You said all these things. You see what I'm saying? You see where I'm going with this? You said all these things. You said you were my healer. You said you were my sustainer. You said you were my sufficiency. You were my all in all. You were all our need. You said all these things about my family. This is who you are. This is what you said. And I wasn't irritated. I wasn't mad. I just wasn't accepting what I was seeing. Now that's not blindness, that's standing on the word of God, regardless of what you see, and that's called faith. That's faith, it's believing what God said even when you're not seeing it, right? And so that is sowing seeds of faith, saying this is who you said you are, this is what you said you'd do. This is what you said was available for your sons and your daughters. This is how the church is supposed to walk. Now let me give you the opposite of that. In James chapter 1 it says, it says pray. When you have a need or you need wisdom, pray. And the Lord will give you the wisdom or meet the need that you have. If you pray with faith, if you sow the seeds of faith. But if you don't, if you sow the seeds of doubt, don't expect to receive anything from God. You, 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 you see where I'm going with this? He says, if you doubt, you're not going to receive anything from God. Now, that is not some kind of, you know, where you're unctuing, you know, you, you, it's not some kind of... Uh, where you're torquing your body into submission to this way of thinking that it is just belief that this is the way God designed things. And no matter what, and, 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 it, and it doesn't take gr great determination, it just takes this one thought. That's not what God said. That's not what he said he'd do, and, I, and, I, and I'm going to stand on what he said until I see what he said. And he says, so if you sow the seed of doubt, you're not going to receive anything from God. Now, as believers, let me ask you a question. Do you stand and sow seeds of faith, or do you sow seeds of doubt more often? You see, it's incredibly important for me to see the, the, the fruit of sowing seeds of faith in the church. Let me, let me just ask you this. Well, let me just say this. How about that? Let me, let me, let me, let me I believe we got it all wrong in, in this culture as far as evangelism is concerned. What we're trying to do is we try, we're trying to make the church attractive to people everywhere. We're trying to make it entertaining. And this is what the Lord says about the church. The world should be jealous of the church. 
Why would the world be jealous of the church? Because we stand on the promises of God. We stand on the faith of God and the blessing of God is poured on us in such great measure that they want some of what we got. But what has happened for so many years is the church has been sowing seeds of doubt and not seeds of faith. Therefore, they've been unfruitful in everything that they've done. So nobody is jealous of what we got. Because they say about the church, if that's what the church is, I don't want none of that. How many times have you heard that? And it's not judgment on the world. It is just confidence in God and bearing the fruit of God. So let's look at several different things. And let me just read three, three things about this whole idea of the seed time and harvest principle that God put in his word. There are three things you should know. The first one is this. And that is you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. Number two is you reap after you sow. Number three is you reap more than you sow. Number one, you reap what you sow. Number two, you reap after you sow. And number three, you reap more than you sow. So let's look at these three things. You reap what you sow. You cannot reap anything other than what you sow. Can you imagine with me just for a moment? When you start thinking about sowing the Word of God, knowing the Word of God, standing on the Word of God, and sowing it into your life. Can you think of a farmer who would stand there next to his neighbor? See, corn's popping up all over Stanfield, Stanley County, so this is fresh. Can you imagine one farmer standing next door to another farmer, and, and, and he's standing there and he's saying, well, uh, I'm going to plant this. I'm going to plant this wheat right here, and my neighbor's got corn, and I I want some really good corn, and so I'm going to take this wheat seed, and I'm going to plant this wheat seed, and and produce me some corn. It would be ridiculous if he was irritated or disappointed if he planted wheat seed and it started popping up wheat. And he's going, why am I not getting corn? Well, that's what we do in the church all the time. We plant all kinds of seed that aren't the seed of the word, and we expect to receive something totally different. We want kingdom to come when we've planted something other than kingdom. We hadn't stood on the word. We hadn't stood on the things that God stands on. So many believers I see want to reap something that they don't sow. Genesis chapter 1 verses 11 verse and 12 says this. God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb uh, that yields seed, and the, and, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herbs and, seed, and yield seed, yielded seed according to its kind. And the tree that yields fruit whose seed is in itself also to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And so he establishes it in Genesis and he talks about it in Galatians chapter 6. He says, he says remember this. 
do not be deceived. This is such a strong scripture when it comes to sowing. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he also will reap. For he who sows in his flesh will of his flesh reap corruption. But he who sows in the spirit will in the spirit reap everlasting life. Let us not grow weary doing well. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. In due season we will, not, we will reap if we don't lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those who are in the household of faith. Isn't that interesting? That's another thing. You, know, you find stuff in Scripture all the time. That's a little backwards. We, sin, we tend to think a lot more of the people that don't know God or have more mercy on them than we do those that are already in the church, and that is backwards. We should really love each other and nurture each other and believe that God wants to bear fruit. Luke chapter 11, verse 28, he said, More than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Gee, this is, a, this is a, a bunch of ladies, and they say, Blessed is the woman who bore this man, talking about Jesus, because he's Messiah. And Jesus says, No, no, no. Even more than that, blessed is the man who knows the word and does it. Amen. Because it bears fruit. It's going to bear the fruit that it was sent to bear. So the first thing we got to learn is you're going to reap what you sow. You cannot change that. So don't be reaping confusion expecting order. Don't be sowing chaos expecting discipline. Don't be sowing Doubt and expecting the miraculous. You've got to have faith. You've got to believe that God's word is true. So you reap what you sow. The second principle is that you reap after you sow. So many believers will say, I will sow after I reap, especially when it comes to money. And this particular passage is dealing a lot with finances, but I don't want to really talk much about finances when it comes to that today. What I want you to understand is that the Word of God will not return void. But they say, you know, I'll really start giving the way God wants me to, or managing this, or managing that, or, or taking care of my family. You take any godly, righteous principle, and you say, soon as I get my life in order, I will begin to do it the right way. You can even hear that when it comes to people that aren't living right. I had At one time, I had a lady who was in a homosexual relationship. She didn't want to come to church or come to Christ because she had to get that fixed first. God doesn't, he don't need you to get that fixed first. You know, they, 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 when I get right, then I'll start doing right. When I get in this situation, I'll start doing that. People say that all the time. When I get my finances in order, then I'll start giving. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. You, you reap after you sow. You have to sow before you can reap. 
so many people, they, they, believers, say, why aren't I healed? Or why aren't I prospering? Or why hadn't you done this, God? Or why hadn't you done that, God? And the question always is, what are you sowing into that? What, what, what kind of seed are you sowing into that? There's only been one virgin birth. <laughs> and your miracle isn't going to be the second. <laughs> I got, got people laughing, but it's true. What we, what we want is we want God to work a miracle and we hadn't sowed anything. We want our miracle to be done without anything being done on our part, without us standing on anything. And God says, no, no. You've got to sow seed. You've got to sow the word. You've got to plant the seed of the word of God in your heart and then I can do it. Can you imagine a farmer getting irritated and frustrated and discouraged if he didn't sow any seed at all? And he got discouraged because he didn't see any corn come up. Wait a minute. He plowed the field, maybe, even. Or maybe he didn't even plow the field. But he just didn't plant any seed. And then he watches all his neighbors start getting corn. He goes, why don't I have any corn? Why, why God, don't I have anything? You, do you favor them over me? Why are they getting everything and I'm not getting anything? And the Lord would have to say, have you, have you been planting my word? Have you, have you planted it in your heart? Many Christians today depend on the idea that God's love is enough. Now let me just say this. God's love is amazing. God's love is big. But there's this idea that it's enough. And it's not enough. God loved you so much that he sent Jesus to die for our sins. But unless you sow the seed of belief in him, you will not be saved. When you sow that seed, you will become born again. Right? The same is true for any other aspect of your life. God's love is not enough without you sowing the seed of the Word of God. You begin to walk out, sow that seed, believe that seed in faith. Don't sow any other, don't come back and put Roundup on it and kill it because you've got doubt. Sow the seed of faith, walk in the seed of faith until you see a harvest. Because the Word of God is true, you can take it to the bank. It's true. And it, it will be true until you die. So stand on it until you see Jesus face to face. And then you'll be able to say to him, I stood on your word, Lord. I sowed the seed of your word in my heart. And I stood on it in faith until I saw you today. In the church, there's not enough people who know the word of God and sow the word of God in their heart and stand in faith on the word of God. 
Too many Christians depend on the idea that God loves them too much. And, and that love enough is going to be enough. Many Christians ask the God the question, you know, why hadn't you healed me? Why hadn't you prospered me yet? Because they're depending on this touchy-feely faith. And it's not a touchy-feely faith. Your life depends on what you've planted in your heart from the Word of God. The fruit that you're going to bear in your life is going to be determined based on what you planted in your heart. And it might have a gestation period of many, many, many years before it actually bears any fruit. And what we want to do is we want to plant seed and then see the fruit as soon as we plant the seed. We as believers want to read the Word for the very first time and go, I want to see fruit of that right now. Well, I didn't see fruit of that right now. So I'm not sure whether God even works that way anymore today. There's this idea that His love's enough. I planted it in my heart or at least gave it a shot and it just didn't work. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 and 8. It says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Did you hear that? If you reap the word of God sparingly, I mean, if you sow the word of God sparingly, you will reap it sparingly. If you sow it bountifully, you will reap it bountifully. So let each one give his, as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity. This again is talking about money in this particular passage, but it covers every aspect of the word and the way of God. Let everybody be a cheerful giver. Listen, and God, because God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. There's an abundance that is available to you. And so you reap what you sow, you reap after you sow, and then you reap more than you sow. Psalms 126.5 says this, those who sow in tears will reap in joy. Even if you don't have much and you sow that, then you're going to reap even more. It is the base passage of Scripture that we get this idea of having little and throwing what we have down on the ground and allowing the Lord to produce something. I did a little research and studied just an ear of corn. Have y'all heard that before in the past? If you take one seed, you plant it in the ground. One seed, you plant it in the ground. What happens is you get, you get the blade that comes up. You see the corn begin to move up. It moves up. It gets several ears of corn. And each ear of corn has over 400 seeds or about 400 seeds on each ear. So even if you planted one seed and you only got three ears of corn on one plant, you're, you're going to get 1,200 seeds out of one seed. That is the principle that Jesus uses in Mark chapter 26 verse 29 to tell us that we're going to reap more than we sow. You have to be faithful with sowing to see a reward 
that is promised by God. In other words, you've got to sow that seed of Scripture in your heart that God is my protector. He's my provider. He is, he is, he is a shield about me. He, he is my banner. And the banner over me is love. He, his grace is sufficient for me. His power is able to work even in the circumstances I've got. And stand on that. Be established on the word whether you see it or not. Let me give you an example in Mark chapter 4 verse 35. This is a great passage of scripture that Jesus gives the church. I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation, but check out, check out this passage of Scripture. It, there's nothing to it. It's almost like there's nothing there if you don't see what he's actually talking about. Evening comes, and Jesus says to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Now, Jesus is laying in the back of the boat, sleeping. His head was on a cushion. And the disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? And then Jesus woke up. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. And then he asked them, Why? Are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And the disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man, they asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now in this, so what, why, you know, why is Jesus getting irritated? I mean, there's a storm. He's the Savior. He's God. He speaks to the storm, and they recognize that this is miraculous, and they go, wow, look at the miracle. Who is this? And it seems to you and me, maybe, that why isn't Jesus happy? They recognize who he is. They said, look, he's special. Right? That's how we would do. But Jesus is not happy. Why is he not happy? Because they didn't calm the storm. He's not happy because they had him with them. He had been showing them what to do all this time. And they still didn't get it through their thick skull. And in their heart, the word that was planted in them hadn't begun to bear fruit yet. And it should have. And so he gets irritated with them because they're not doing what he said they could do. Now the question is, where are we? Where are you as a believer? Where are you as a believer? You see, I see a lot of programs. I see a lot of programs in churches but I don't think God is impressed with programming. I was talking to a small group leader, a group of pastors one time, and they were talking about this new pastor. Y'all stay with me. This is good stuff. It's just a little calmer today than normal. Amen? Don't go to sleep. It's Memorial Day. Weekend. Anyway, we were talking about this new program that was designed 
for outreach and relationship. And we, we got to talking about that. And they began to talk about, you know, the, the maturity of what was going on and so on and so forth. And, and I just asked a simple question. How many people have you led to the Lord since you started the program? How many people have really been jealous of your relationship with Jesus since you started the program? And I want to challenge, I'm challenging you hard right this minute, each one of you as an individual. And I want you to make a decision today to change whatever situation you're in or get better at what you're doing. They, they, their response to me was none. And I was like, so why are you doing the program? Do you want to face Jesus and say, thank, thank you, Lord, for your grace. I'm so glad my name was written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. Jesus says, good. Who'd you bring with you? And you say, well, I didn't bring anybody with me. Is that what you want? Do you want him to look at you and say, you didn't get it. I gave you the word. I gave you the word. What'd you do with it? Did it bear any fruit? And you want to be transformed, but that transformation should make people jealous. There should be people, people who know you who are jealous for what you have in some degree. If you're bearing the fruit of righteousness in the right way, in the right posture, in the right position. And that is not accusation. Don't hear me. Hear my heart. Our job as believers is to bear fruit of righteousness. What did Jesus say do? Go out. He sent 12. He sent 70. Go out. Heal the sick. Cast out demons. Raise the dead. If they hear the message of the cross, receive them. If they don't, dust off your feet. That is, the, that is not church as an institution. That's believers. And the only way that you can do that is you have to plant the Word of God in your heart. You have to allow the Word of God to transform you. To the place where you're unrecognizable. I had so many of you ladies tell me how wonderful Liz was from the women's retreat. Y'all wouldn't recognize Liz in her 20s. You wouldn't know her because she's not the same woman. The people who knew Liz in high school and knew Liz in her 20s, would go, really? <laughs> the same with me. Hopefully, the same with you. Now, if you've been a believer all your life, that is fantastic. I'm glad you have. But you should be more like Christ now. There should be, you should have an ambient glow. I mean, you ought to be like next to the Holy of Holies. Matter of fact, there should be a, 
there should be some kind of glow over your head as you walk. If you, I'm, I'm kidding, but we, we are to bear the fruit of righteousness because we planted it in our heart. So many Christians don't sow the seed of the word. They don't plant. And if they do plant, they don't wait to see what the seed produces when it grows. So what do we do with the seed? Sometimes we dig the seed up with unbelief. And sometimes we poison the whole process of what God wants to do in our life. Because we started out believing and then somehow we allow doubt and personality and past history to come in and steal and pluck up the seed. Sometimes we just, we, we say the word, but we really don't believe it and wait for it to germinate so that it actually brings forth a harvest. Now, y'all need to hear me in this. You don't need to just let this pass over. Because this is the key to living. This is the key for your success in Christendom. Is that you write this on your heart. You begin to do the word and watch it begin to bear fruit. Now it might not bear fruit for five years. Let me walk you down a road real quickly and then I'm going to close. Let's say that you believe that God was your healer and I believed that God was my healer and Nathan's healer for, uh, you know, three or four days. And I, or maybe three or four weeks. Or maybe six months. And I begin to pray and, and believe God, but then nothing happened. Everything kept going the same way. And then I just begin to doubt. And then I just kind of felt like maybe, maybe God didn't really care about me like he does other people. Maybe this is just my lot in life. Do you, do you, do you see what I'm sowing? I'm not sowing what's going to bear kingdom. I've got to... Not, I, I don't have to play mind games with myself. I just have to believe God no matter what I see. I've got to understand that sin entered the world and it screwed this world up. And every system that is of the world, sin has affected. And I've got to understand there's a difference between the word of God and the way of God and the effect that sin has had on the world. And I've got to stand on the word and the way of God no matter what I see. And that's got to move us to a different place. And I've got to be established there. How, what does established mean? That means no matter what you say to me, you couldn't convince me that God's word isn't true about me. I could, I could die of a heart attack today. And you couldn't, or at least have another one. And and you couldn't convince me that God is not my healer. You just can't do it. I mean, I've already got an extra vein in my heart that you don't have because God is my healer. You cannot convince me that he is not my provision even if I have no money. I could have 
absolutely no money, and I would still sow what he told me to sow so that I could reap more than I sowed. You couldn't convince me that that principle is not true. You couldn't convince me, well, I, you know, I've gotten myself in this horrible financial bind, and as soon as I get out of this financial bind, I'm going to start giving to God like he asked me to. That's backwards. I had somebody tell me, listen, this is a true testimony last month. True testimony last month. Came to me and said, you know, we talked, had that conversation about finances, and you told me how much money I needed to make to, to begin to pay for my student loans and all the things that I got lined up and be able to take care of myself and, and have extra and put money in savings and make sure I was given. And you showed me that figure, and I looked at that figure and I went, that's impossible. And then I was in prayer one day and the Lord said, start giving based on that income. And I went, I don't even have enough to pay my own bills. Now listen, I'm not telling you to do this. I'm telling you about the principle. The Lord needs to tell you. This is, a, this is outside the box. This is not the norm. Well, it could be the norm. But it is the principle. In other words, I don't want you to think I'm telling you to go do this. But I do want to testify of the principle working. So she began to give on $3,500 a month, which was $350. She was making about half of that. Within two months, she was making almost four grand. The Lord began to bring her in income from different areas and opportunities from different places. And actually, and I think those numbers are correct. If they're not, they're close. But the principle is this. She started tithing on what she needed. And the increase came because what you sow, you reap. And the principle is you're going to reap more than you, if you're doing it out of obedience to the word. Now, she got a word from the Lord. And I'm not giving you that word. <laughs> I'm just, uh, she got a word. She did the word. And the word bore fruit. Does that make sense? The principle exists. And it's based on the word being planted in your heart. So, here's my plea to you. You've got to know the Word. You can't believe the Word if you don't know the Word. You can't know the Word if you don't read the Word. You've got to know it or you're setting yourself up for failure. And you're not open. And it's, it's worse. It, it, it can, you can be in the church and not reap any more than those at the SOS club. Because you're not doing anything different than they are except saying Jesus is in the boat. You hearing me? We've got to become people who know the word. Put it in our heart. Believe the word. Be established on the word. Nobody can convince us that the word is not true. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Writing it on our heart. 
watching it bear fruit, allowing it to go through the gestation process, allowing the leaves of the seed we sown of the Word of God to sprout a little bit and then grow into a full plant and then begin to bear fruit and then experience the harvest of what the Word of God can do. And that's on an individual basis. My sowing you cannot reap. I reap from my own sowing. You reap from what you sow. Amen? Amen. So what's your plan? When you leave here today, this Memorial Day weekend, what's your battle strategy? What's your plan to put the Word of God in your heart? Look and examine your life. Examine your life and see what you value more than putting the Word in your heart. See what things you're substituting for what only God can do for you. Where you're looking for nurturing that doesn't have the ability to nurture. Thanks for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.